Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Return of the Roar podcast. I am Chris Watkins, sitting across from me, Frankie Cardicelli, as promised, a guest, as always, during this uh, these summer episodes. Matt George this week. Matt, how you doing? What podcast am I on? Wait a minute. This isn't Locked on Kings. I'm confused. Yes. All these days in podcasts are starting to blend together. So, oh, Return of the Roar. Got it. Hey, guys. What's up? How's it going? Yeah, Matt. Uh, I'm doing well. How was your 4th of July? It was... Good. It was loud, but that's to be expected. I did not expect, though, the amount of pregame fireworks on July 3rd, and I especially didn't expect the late-to-the-party fireworks that people set off last night, July 5th. I was just yeah. very confused by that, but you know, hey, to each their own, I guess. Usually yeah. it goes on through, like, what, July 15th? We're hearing those yep. kind of after-effect fireworks. But uh, I've been hearing them for, like, the past three. I live, like, 15 minutes away from here, and it's been going on for about the past two weeks. Well, see, so. we in my neighborhood, we have fireworks that are set off at random times throughout the year, and yes, I can tell Those the difference. Those are called gunshots. No, no, I can tell the difference between gunshots and fireworks. Well, and we know we get, what kind of neighborhood Matt lives we in. We get both of those. but So I'm not necessarily surprised by just random fireworks happening, but it was the abundance of fireworks on July 5th that caught me off guard, let's put it that way. <laughs> Frankie had a lot of fireworks this weekend. I know uh, it was Frankie's birthday this weekend, so hey. happy birthday, Frank. 2-7, getting, yeah. getting up there. Oh, boy, yeah. yikes. You're starting to enter like the part where it's, people are like, Frankie, we're expecting a lot out of you. You're entering your prime here. Well, you know, you're gonna- like the late 20s. I like, think, Matt, you just recently turned 27, yep. too, I think. Yeah, it's like, okay, we're out of the mid-20s. Now it's the late 20s. What are we doing? Matt, mm. this guy, married with a kid on the way. Good I, for you, man. I'm, I'm a month away from being clock. a father, and I'm terrified. One, so. one month away? Please, God, let's talk about basketball, because I'm scared out of my mind. I'm, well, ra- I'm raising a son. There's going to be a little me running around. That's terrifying. Oh, that is terrifying. That is terrifying. Oh, goodness gracious. Speaking of terrifying, uh, the Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings. Uh, oh, boy. We're, nice segue. We're in the thick of the offseason here. The finals begin yeah. tonight. Uh, Matt, we asked Jason last week just kind of how you're feeling about the offseason. Do you miss Kings basketball? Are you kind of itching to watch, you know, De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton get back on the floor? Are you kind of are you kind of enjoying the break? You know, I, I think I talked about this with you guys before. This season that wrapped up, and, and I think it was a combination of a lot of things. So the ups and downs of the year, the losing streaks, the winning streaks, the expectations, the 72 games shoved into what felt like 73 days. Like I am, I was more exhausted by this season than any King season I can remember. So I am enjoying the break, and I am enjoying the fact that uh, there still is NBA basketball going on. The NBA Finals are starting, and we're in early July. I mean, that's pretty rad. Uh, so I, I think I'm doing okay right now. But once we get past the draft, and once we get into like summer league time, and then especially when training camp starts getting closer and closer, that's when that buzz is going to start to to hit a little bit. Especially with, I, well, let's put it this way. With what I expect from this offseason, or I'm hoping from this offseason, I'm looking forward to this offseason. I'm looking forward to the next few months and the rumors and free agency and trade rumors, trade dead, or, uh, the, the trades before the draft or during the draft. Like I think the Kings are going to have a very, very busy summer. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And uh, it's funny because, yeah, we, we talked all season about how exhausting this year was and now I'm at the point where yeah the finals are starting tonight it's the only thing on but I caught myself especially yesterday I noticed I need these games on because like baseball just is I'm sorry baseball's not cutting it for me guys Mm. like I need I need some action to look forward to 
at the end of the game. So baseball's not cutting it for me either right now. So. Yeah, I'm so- <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Yankee fans. I'll say the the thing that I and it's watching Phoenix Suns games, especially in that crowd. The thing that I'm itching for the most is just a full Golden One Center again. That's that's just really yeah. what I'm most anticipating. Of course, the King season having Kings basketball back would be great, but seeing how awesome that Phoenix Suns crowd has been and knowing that the Kings would either match that or step it up a notch here in Sacramento if the when the Kings get back um that's that's what I'm waiting for more than anything else just to have opening night and hopefully a full capacity G1C mm-hmm. yeah I mean they're coming out in force in Phoenix it's cool to see and it's it's a complete turnaround because a season and a half ago uh it's it's not like they were filling out their stadium back when they were a 37 36 win team they, they just weren't uh, of course, they're the diehard fans, like how there are diehard Kings fans and Golden One Center. Even uh, the season before this last season, it wasn't. You could tell it wasn't all the way filled to capacity as often as it was. I think the eighteen nineteen season, it was sold out like legitimately, probably for I'd say seventy five percent of the games because they were a fun team to watch. Um, this year, if there was, if there were fans allowed, I I'd have to say I don't know if it would be sixty no, percent full. Been, it would have been scary too. It uh, would have been a loud environment for all the wrong reasons. It was fittingly empty when we were there, but hopefully this offseason can inject some life back into the fan base. Some excitement can come back into the building. Hundred uh, percent capacity is expected this fall. That just is huge for the Kings and the Suns too. It plays a huge role uh, in the playoffs for the Suns. It could play a huge role for the Kings, but of course the winning product has to be there. Kings can't definitely can't be making the mistakes that they made last year uh, with fans in attendance this season. I mean, there's just there there would there would have been at least ten times last season or the season that just wrapped up where the Kings would have been booed off the floor in the yes. Golden One Center. Well, one hundred percent. It happened once. It happened against Utah, and they that fifty point or forty nine point loss. That I think that was one of the first games with fans too, and uh, I, I think people have been waiting for it. But yeah, if we have one of those or multiple like we saw this year next year uh it's gonna be ugly but at the same time too especially early on in the season chris tyrese halliburton was robbed of some pretty awesome pops with some of the shots he hit in Mm -hmm. the fourth quarter so there's a give and take yeah and uh yeah i mean definitely without the fans the season was completely different and i I, i'm just really excited for the season to get to get going like you said and i'm expecting a lot of moves this off season a lot of big moves to happen and that all is going to start with the draft coming up in a couple weeks, and uh, the Kings have the number nine pick currently. Uh, not, I don't think they're going to move up, but they might move out. Matt, how are you feeling about what the Kings are going to do at number nine? I'm pretty confident in saying I think it's a 60-40% chance that the Kings, 60% they move on from this pick. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's no surprise that James Hamm reported that the, the Kings are aggressively shopping. Now, he didn't, and we he clarified this a little bit on the Locked on Kings podcast when I had him on last week. Check it out. He wasn't necessarily saying that uh, like the, the their goal is to absolutely move the pick, but his, his point was they're leaving all their options open, and trading the number nine pick is a massive option, especially when you look at the potential of pairing that pick with Buddy Heald's contract to make that contract a little bit easier to move or pairing it with Marvin Bagley just to move on from that experiment but try and get something halfway decent in return for Bagley whose value is is little to nothing right now. So I would not be surprised at all if this number nine pick is on the move but at the same time too I've talked to three or four different draft experts and I use air quotes there because we all just try and figure out the draft as best as we can every year and they've said that for what the Sacramento Kings are looking for which is that kind of wing presence especially a defender 
at that nine range, there are some good options available, and they would recommend the Kings just holding on to the pick. So Sacramento has options, which is always a good thing. So if, if you had to make a selection, they'll say they don't move the pick. Do you have an ideal candidate that you'd like the Kings to look at more than others, or do you kind of just think that there's no way they even use this pick and they're just going to move it out of the draft? No, I'm stuck between two names, Franz Wagner and Moses Moody. Bang, Matt. I literally sent this fool, I sent Frankie some names about an hour ago, and it was both of those two. Yeah, Franz Wagner and Moses Moody, I think, both present exactly what the Kings need in, in some capacity. Uh, it's spoken a lot with different guys, including James Hamm, about both those two. James is, is more pro-Moses Moody than he is Wagner, because he, he called Wagner a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none, which is a big deal in the NBA. I like that. Um, and, but Wagner is one of those players that can, like, plug and play and I think immediately help the Kings which is what they should be looking for if, if you can get a diamond in the rough at nine that turns into a star and get lucky like you got with Halliburton last year fantastic but I don't think the Kings are looking at this draft to find a core building block I think they're looking at a player who will come in and provide an immediate impact to help this team make the playoffs if they decide to keep the pick yeah so I think Wagner can plug in Frankie in that spot or Moses Moody who's more of a shooter than Wagner is um more athletic than Wagner is, but both are considered strong on the defensive end. So those are the two names that I've been looking at. Well, the Kings need length. That's kind of one of their their key needs, I think. With Harrison Barnes, he has two years on his contract. He could be moved this offseason. Rashawn Holmes is going to be a free agent. Marvin Bagley wants out. Uh, That just leaves kind of the guards as one of the key points that the Kings have right now, which is De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. Buddy Heald is probably going to be moved in the next season. I think that's not really a secret. They'd like to. They'd like to. Uh, drafting a guy like Moses Moody could be great for that. Chris and I were pointing out too how he has a seven foot wingspan, I believe. Something like yeah, I know it's seven, seven plus. two, seven, yeah. seven two, and he's six. He's six six. So if, if they were to move on from Buddy Heald, that gives you a three headed monster of Fox, Halliburton, and Moody, all under the age of 23, 23 or younger. That's pretty exciting. But Wagner is intriguing because until Robert Woodard shows he's going to be that next small forward up in line to take over for Harrison Barnes. The Kings are going to need some help at the small forward power forward spot, and that's kind of where Wagner could come in. But um, I'm kind of leaning on Moody. If the Kings were to keep the pick, I love the idea of having Moody on the roster. He's a long guard. That wingspan is intriguing to me. I really do like that. Uh, but again, like you said, Matt, Buddy Heald, the trade is more of a – It's more of they want to move him. Are they going to? I don't know. He makes $23 million. Uh, I don't know how many teams would jump on that on that opportunity to bring in a guy making $23 million. Uh, Yeah. It's just it's tough, but I, I really would like to have Moody on the roster. Yeah, a couple things there. Another one, a dark horse that I talked with James Ham a lot about. Actually, he, James's most recent uh, mock draft that came out today, Tuesday, uh, he has Josh Giddy going to the Kings at nine, and Giddy played primarily point guard in, in his uh, his time overseas, but is built like an NBA three and would probably play an NBA three. And the more secondary ball handles you can have, seemingly in the modern NBA, is a good thing. So Giddy could potentially be right up there in the the Kings' interest and in that nine range. So that might be interesting as well. Um, but to your point about Buddy Heald too, I think what's most eye opening and, and this was proven towards the end of last season is Buddy Heald is absolutely an elite shooter. But Buddy Heald, I think his production can be fairly easily easily replaced. I mm-hmm. mean, you look at Terrence Davis coming in and not making the Buddy Heald impact. I'm not going to go that far. But Terrence Davis was able to fill a void of, of shooting when Buddy was off the floor pretty quickly. And Terrence also, in my opinion, was not half bad putting the ball on the floor and attacking the basket as well, which Buddy has shown in, in limited capacity. So 
Uh, you add maybe Moses Moody to that mix where he can come in and kind of replace that Buddy Heald shooting while not being a liability on defense. Uh, I would not be surprised if the Kings are looking at options in this draft as a Buddy Heald replacement in the hopes that they're moving on from him either this summer, which I hope they do, or at the trade deadline. I want to state my case for Franz Wagner because I feel like he gets a bad rap. Uh, I, it could be a lot because I know his brother was pretty highly recruited and was, was when he got, I think Mo went, uh, I know he went in the lottery. I but, think he was in the lottery in the, yeah. the, the 12-13 range. Yeah, it was pretty it disappointing. He kind of had a pretty similar career, not career, but uh, was you know just as big of a star as Franz was at Michigan at, at in his time at Michigan, um, and it just kind of hasn't really panned out for him in the league. So I I feel like that probably has a little bit to do with people souring on him. But if you watch his tape, I think you said James Ham put it as uh, he's jack of all, master of none. That's that's perfect because you watch his game and he really can do a little bit of everything. He's not a great shooter. He's or I shouldn't say he's not an elite shooter yet. I wouldn't even say he's he's maybe slightly above average shooter. And if he can become a good great shooter, um, I think that's something that could take his game to another level. But you watch his ability to pass the ball. His basketball IQ is just disgustingly apparent if you watch his offense and defensive highlights he's always reaching in the passing lanes always reaching in dribbling lanes and getting quick steals uh just a really really smart basketball player and the exactly type of guy that you can draft come in day one he might not be a star by any stretch of the imagination but can definitely do a little bit of everything and is kind of a ball mover and someone with the king for for some for a team like the kings that's somebody that they could really use because offense is not an issue for them they really need somebody who's going to focus on the defensive end make all the small plays make the dirty plays and uh, I, I think Wagner would be a great fit yeah I think Wagner does a ton of what the Sacramento Kings need which is why I'm, I'm so interested in him I, in fact out of the two him and Moody I've leaned more towards Wagner yeah. than Moody for that reason um, I understand that both have pretty high floors, which is great. Moody might have a slightly higher yeah, ceiling, but Wagner may be more day one ready, which is intriguing from a King's perspective as well. Uh, I know Wagner is not the most athletic, which immediately scares people mm-hmm. because athleticism, of course, is in- extremely important in the modern NBA. But how many times have we seen the Kings draft an athletic player who doesn't pan out because yeah. either the basketball yeah. IQ is not there or the Kings development just isn't good enough to mm-hmm. add the basketball IQ to that game? Hello, For, T-Rob. Yeah. I mean, Ben McElmore, you could put in that, that list and as well. That's why I'm really terrified for the King. I shouldn't say terrified, but I would be incredibly nervous if the Kings are looking at taking somebody like Keon Johnson, who's out of Tennessee, who's incredibly ridiculously athletic, but besides that is incredibly raw. Very raw, that's the word I was thinking Very raw, yeah. The Kings just, and I feel the same exact way about, I know uh, when when, uh, the lottery had just happened, Jalen Johnson was a name that that was really high for the, or that was on a lot of mock drafts for the Kings. That's again, another pick where it's just like, let somebody else figure that out. I'm not saying... You know, if he ends up being a star, that's fine. I just don't think it would have happened here. Yeah, and both you of those, just have to live with those. Things. Both of those guys you just listed, I would avoid like the absolute yeah. plague from yeah. a King standpoint because of the development, because of the the timeline that it's going to take. The Kings aren't in a developmental mode; they're in a we have to win right now mode, and we have to find players to pair with Tyrese and Fox mm-hmm. to get this team to the playoffs right now. Those guys would make absolutely no sense. I think if Monty McNair and the Kings made that selection, it would certainly I would be scratching my head, and once again, it would follow this pattern of the Kings not being able to commit to any kind of timeline yeah. or plan, 
which I think is one of the most frustrating parts about this team. And even going back to last season, it looked like the Kings were on this timeline of, we don't care, we're not really going to go for it, this is a gap year. And even though I asked Monty McNair about that in his post-season press conference, he said, I don't know where that gap year term came from. (laughs) It's like, we all know you would have preferred to have had a top five pick in this draft and not been very good compared to making all these moves at the deadline to ultimately fall short again. So I think it's pretty safe to say, and whether that pressure came from McNair or whether that pressure came from King's ownership, who knows. But I think it's clear that the plan changed last year midseason, and I think a drafting of one of those two guys like you listed, going young and going for a developmental project instead of trying to find a piece that plugs and plays would be another example of just changing the timeline again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the timeline is kind of, I think, in that press conference too, they I think both Luke and Monty said, if I remember correctly, that the goal of next year is playoffs. Yeah. Next year, which they, they kind of stayed away from that term before last mm-hmm. season. I, I noticed uh, coming into last season, they didn't really say. I think it, Luke was asked if they don't make the playoffs, is that considered a, a failure? And he's like, no, we're like we're building. We're just going to try to change the culture and build. Versus this year, playoffs is definitely on. It's on mm-hmm. the docket. So and Luke uh, knows his his job is gone if exactly. the Kings aren't like it's a lot easier to move on to a, from a coach who has one year left on his deal than it is to move on from a coach who has two years. Like to, the difference between two years and one year, and you both know this is huge. Huge in the NBA. So Walton knows he's gone. He's kind of playing with house money at this point in my mind. It's 100%. It's Monty McNair. Mm-hmm. It's the pressure that's on McNair and how much organiz- – and I know there's pressure on ownership because the last thing Vivek and this ownership group wants is for this team to break that record of 16 straight playoffless seasons. Yeah, most would be under Vivek's tenure as, as owner, it too. It already is. <laughs> and also with Luke, he, he I think he's fighting for his coaching life and career here. Oh, he, if he has well, another down NBA. year – well, yeah, I mean, M- NBA. Yeah, he, he I, could, I think that Arizona job. Is. Oh, yeah, guys, he, he could try out college, but his NBA career is on the it's on the line, in my opinion, because, sure, he had that great run with the Warriors when Steve Kerr was out, but how many people really look at that and say, Luke Walton did a great job coaching this team while Steve Kerr was out? I just, I don't see it that way. And you look at what he did with L.A., uh, look at what he's doing with the Kings. If he comes out this season and lays another egg and he gets fired halfway through the season, what does that say for his his prospect of taking another head coaching job somewhere else. But this is an unpopular opinion, and I know it. I also don't think Luke Walton's been that bad here. Like, L.A., okay. I don't think Walton's been that bad. Maybe he's not the right coach, and maybe he's not the right guy to get this team and and get them to their full capability. But I think Luke has weathered two ridiculously unprecedented seasons. He's dealt with significant injury issues in both seasons, and both times he's put together and put the Kings in a position to go on these runs to at least be in the conversation. Uh, I mean, the Kings were one of the hottest teams in basketball before the shutdown two years ago. I'm not going to argue in hypotheticals because it is what it is. We don't know if the Kings would have kept that going and made the playoffs or not, but they were looking good. And then this year, a team that without De'Aaron Fox and no Marvin Bagley that had no business of being in the conversation mm-hmm. suddenly was winning games and putting up a fight towards the end of the year. So I think Walton has done a lot better job than he gets credit for. That being said, I mean, good isn't good enough in the NBA, especially when you're on a franchise like the Kings with their history. Yeah, I just feel like Luke is kind of heading towards like an assistant for life kind of role here. I think so. Where, you know, it's like you see Sam Cassell on the bench, uh, Chauncey Billups just got a head coaching job, but you know, there's, it's kind of a thing for NBA guys, you know, nothing you wrong kinda, with that, no, yeah. absolutely nothing at all. And I, I think to your point, Matt, I don't think Luke is an all time horrible coach. Like, you know, the Kings have had some horrible records and he has not 
touched any of those, you know, 20 win seasons or anything like that. And granted, he's had some talent on his roster. But uh, I th- I don't know. I just think, is Luke the answer? Probably not. But for Monty to hitch his wagon to him this season, I think you're right, Matt. Like, I think this this season more more puts pressure on, on Monty and for him to make the playoffs than, than Luke. And I do think Luke, like you said, is playing with house money. I want to throw something out to the two of you if I can. Um, I'm talking about this a lot more on my pod uh, sometime this week, probably today. We'll see. But I think there's a lot of pressure on Monty McNair, even if it's undeserved because of what he's inherited as becoming the general manager of an organization that has had all the struggles of the Sacramento Kings. I think I think the Kings need a swing for the fences move, even if it's a colossal failure. From my perspective, there should be no fear in Sacramento that something is a failure. I mean, this organization has already been such a major yeah. failure, and... I'm not worried about pissing off De'Aaron Fox for him to walk because more than likely if you continue on the path you're on, he's going to walk anyway because he realizes he's wasting his career here. Like, I would love for Monty McNair and the Kings. Now, the right move has to be out there and the team that you're trying to move with has to agree to it. So I'm not just saying it's NBA 2K where, oh, Bradley Beal, trade is accepted type thing. But I would love for Monty McNair and the Kings to try something and just say, hey, Here's a future, a couple future firsts plus this year's first and Buddy Heal. Let's go out and try and get that player that can come in and help this team win right now. And I think Monty, from what James Hamm was talking about, I think Monty's one, not afraid of that, and two, actively looking for that. So I would love a swing for the fences move, but I'm not worried about mortgaging the future. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I mean, to an extent, uh, I don't know about the, the problem is when. I feel like King's future first round picks are that is if you can get one of those that's that's the holy grail for because, other teams not for second. no one hundred percent oh yeah one hundred percent because yeah. that's that's what you want and so I mean I'm sure it has more value than you know say your run of the mill maybe not OKC but run of the mill NBA team I just I feel like that's that it you can measure it yeah, I don't yeah. know I don't know about going all all in because. We've seen how many times it fails, and if it does fail again, we haven't really leveraged future before, and so, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe we see what happened with the Brooklyn Nets. It didn't really seem to bother them too much to not have their draft picks. They kind of figure it out. You just kind of, you know, once you make the trade and you no longer have the picks, you kind of just readjust as an organization, and you're like, Okay, we're now in this reality where we have to move knowing we don't have these picks. Mm-hmm. So that kind of changes to what you were saying earlier. That really does really put a timeline on your winning because it's like, well, we know that we don't have a first round pick in 2024. So if we are the Sacramento how the Sacramento Kings normally are in 2023, we can't like we have to be good by then and Maybe that's what they need. It's not something they've done before, but it sure as hell is 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 risky. And and to Chris's point, Frankie, I, I think he's onto something, and his argument makes sense because in a very small capacity, we kind of dealt with this early in Vlade's tenure, yeah. where he traded away that mm-hmm. future first to Philadelphia, yep. that then became Boston's uh, in a, in a trade later. Yeah, uh, and that was hard for some was people that the to walk. Yeah, it was like yeah. A, it ended up being number ten or something like that in the twenty. 20- I think it was Romeo Langford. Whatever, whatever yeah. it was, it was hard for. Kings fans to sit there knowing the Kings were still bad but not having a draft pick. So mm-hmm. it would suck to make an all-in move and to more, let's say they, they trade two future firsts in 2025 and 2027. Let's say they're lottery protected or whatever, or maybe even not. And those 
you're, the Kings maybe at best sneak into the playoffs, but it doesn't go anywhere, and then you're watching those drafts from the sidelines, that absolutely would suck. But at the same time, too, you've been so bad for so long that if you're going to just try something at this point rather than hoping and treading water, I'd, I'd be down for it, personally. Well, it, it's like a it's a double-down move. Uh, hey, there now. You go. Whoa. There you go. Hey, hey, double now. Down. Check it out on YouTube. Well, no, don't. George. Just don't. <laughs> it's a... Uh, Look, like you said, Matt, De'Aaron Fox, he's under contract, I believe, through 2026, I think. Uh, that clock starts now. Like it's, He's not on his rookie-scale contract anymore. The extensions kicks in as soon as training camp begins this uh, later this summer, or f- technically fall. Um, if you give up those future first at 2024, 2025, uh, I mean, hey, it's like we're going to lose Fox and the picks maybe, but that's the Kings are not going to be bad enough over the next three years, in my opinion, or four years for a top four or five pick, as long as De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton are healthy. That's just the way I see it, because they're always the too good to be... You just can't, but... I Even if they are healthy, they're not, at the moment, I mean, obviously they're going to get... Well, I shouldn't say obviously, but hopefully they get better. But, I mean, that's also if they're healthy. Let's say they that's move... A, that's, that is still a percentage of and, if. And assuming they want to still be here, which is a, another big thing. Like, does Fox say, after two more years of this crap, this sucks, get me out of here? What type of deal would it take, though? Would it take, like... Let's say they give the ninth pick, Bagley, and a 2024 first for Zach Levine. Like, would that do it? Like, what, what It's like an all-star player we're looking for? I, you're, I think you're looking for a player that add, to add to this core right now that next season makes them a playoff yeah. team and the season after makes them a contender. Like and and I don't know if that's yeah. out there like that to me. That's, that's a, I think everybody's looking for that. Yeah. Yeah, to me, that's a swing for the fences move. Break the plan of the playoffs first. Do enough to. I mean, the Phoenix Suns are kind of a good example. Like the Phoenix Suns turned things around. They got a young core that was exciting. It's not as easy as oh, all you have to do is go out and get Chris yep. Paul, and then you'll be in the NBA Finals type yeah. thing. But they can you can turn it around quickly if you have a young core that shows enough. You have a team that buys in, and then you add a player who wants to be a part of that yes. to the mix, and suddenly, it, like that to me is the only route the Kings have. It's a lot of hypothetical, yeah. like major hypothetical. But that's where I'm looking. If I'm Monty McNair trying to pick a hypothetical path to the playoffs, that makes more sense than hoping to get lucky in the draft another two times. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, we, we, we got lucky. Yeah. I think we can say, I mean, knock on wood, Tyrese Halliburton continues on this amazing start to his career. But this is probably the luckiest we've gotten in the draft since. You can't really call De'Aaron Fox lucky because uh, he was a top five pick. So who was the last pick that the well, Kings they moved, had? They got that, lucky moving up to five to get yeah. him. But who was the last pick the Kings took that was kind of like, a, oh, he's pretty good. Was it Kevin Martin? Like, I, I don't even know when the last time the Kings had a player... Out of a top ten, where where you're like, oh wow, like he's- Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> okay, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It doesn't happen very often. Is my point. Before mm-hmm. then, probably it was Kevin Martin. I think Hito was late in the draft, yeah. and he was a good player. Um, but you also added those players to playoff to playoff teams with halfway decent culture versus whatever the hell this is. Rick Adelman was around, and Chris Webber. Yeah, all those guys were there still. So um, yeah, I get what you mean, Matt. It, it, it's I get both points. It's a gamble. Look, and, and some of you out there might not be willing to give up future first because, yeah, like Chris, I think Chris's point is at least if they're bad, they still have the picks. But it's it's more just you have to make sure it's for the right guy. Mm-hmm. Like, don't trade all of it for. I mean, it's not going to be Chris Paul, but 
you know, a Kyle, I don't know, like you, a 34 year old guy who's on the back end of his, don't, you know. And you don't, don't do know. it for a rental. You don't yeah. do it for someone who's it for, on the, the uh, final yeah. year of his contract in the mm-hmm. hopes that you convince him to stay. I mean, Kawhi Leonard didn't stay with the freaking mm-hmm. NBA champions. So you don't, you don't do that. But if you can get a guy, and I don't, I don't know the name that's out there. I'd have to look, and yeah. I'm sure this is what Monty McNair and the Kings are doing. But if you can get a guy that's under contract for another two, three years, who is that? And I'm not talking like it doesn't have to be a Bradley Beal type player. It doesn't have to be an All Star or even superstar, but just that fringe talent or fringe All Star talent that can come to Sacramento and make that immediate difference that this team is looking for. If that's out there and you can make a swing for the fences move to acquire him, do it or try it. <laughs> well, Levine came to mind just because the Kings. I remember. Yeah, Vlad, uh, that was Vlad. That was Vlad, and you know that would have been a good move by him. I mean, oh, God, that should happen. Yeah, he, yeah. It's a lot, yeah. I he's mean, he's well, an all star now, and he—he he is a free know. agent come next off season, and he's going to only be twenty seven. But that's just the thought I had. But you got to trade for those guys. You don't—you're not going to get them in free agency no. unless De'Aaron and Tyrese have such a good year this year that someone wants to say, "I want to be a part of that," which is a big if for Sacramento. But it could happen. I mean, Fox and it's going to take the Kings actually starting freaking Tyrese Halliburton, please. Even if Buddy Heald is still on this damn team, they have to, right? The they have to. But if Fox and Halliburton turn into the backcourt that I think they can, and I've said this on Twitter and I, I believe, I think we're going to be talking about Fox and Halliburton, that backcourt, the same way we talk about Damon CJ. Like, maybe not super like NBA Finals caliber backcourt, because we know Portland's thinking about making some trades and blowing things up. But for years, we talked about Damon CJ as one of the best backcourts on, other than like Clay and Steph in the NBA. And it was like a solid three, four straight years of that. I think Fox and Halliburton have that potential. Didn't you say that, Chris? Didn't you say that? Or no, you just did you, no. I did not say that. You said the opposite. I would. I said I would trade Damon CJ for Tyrese. I'll ask you this question. Shall we? I think I asked him like two weeks ago. Would you trade Tyrese and Fox for Damon CJ? Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't remember. If I said I would or I wouldn't. You said you wouldn't. I said I probably because of the age thing. That's all. In the They're right. both thirty. Well, my thing is, my, oh, my, I remember. We don't my, need to rehash. Well, I remember. It, yeah. My question though was, are the financial implications the same still? Like, Even if are, it is, is like, our roster and the money? Because I think we can. I don't think we like two, our roster two, structurally can take two it. proven winners to yeah. some extent versus two unproven. Yeah. Play. I mean, I love That's De'Aaron Fox, and I think Fox is going to be an All Star next season, uh, unless he gets hurt. Knock on wood. Uh, and I think Tyrese Halliburton is going to have an amazing NBA career. But, I mean, the writing's on the wall. Especially, for me, it's Dame. I'm not the biggest fan of CJ. I think CJ's limits have been kind of hit here. But I still think he's a damn good player. But, I mean, Dame, I hope that Damian Lillard, hell Tyrese yeah. can reach CJ's level. I really do. I, I'm not as – I'm not saying I don't think Tyrese Halliburton is a great player. And I don't – I think he's amazing to watch. But um, I I don't know. I've just – I've recently had questions about – where his his game gets better and and if I can realistically see, I don't know. I, I think I, I think that's I think Tyrese can. I be think a it's better easier said than done. I th- I think I don't know. Yeah. I think he can be a better all around player, but that's as a team player. Not I don't think he'll ever be the shooter that CJ is, yeah. or even. Uh, but in terms of like a distributor, an off ball yeah. handler, like Dame needs help that CJ can't really provide. That I think Tyrese in three years could provide Dame. Yeah which is an option off the ball. Mm-hmm. And CJ is that to some extent, but I don't think can facilitate and create no. that like like Tyrese Halliburton allegedly no. can. But yeah. we're going off of one rookie season, right? 
Yeah, to know, which also, he hit a yeah. wall. Like mm-hmm. Tyrese Halliburton hit a big wall yeah. in the middle People of the season. People adjust. Yeah, other teams adjust. And, and also, I mean, the Kings didn't really use him as their primary ball handler, even when De'Aaron Fox was off the court. They, I vaguely, I, I try and block it out of my mind, yep. but I do remember Corey Joseph bringing the ball down quite often. Yep. And DeLon Wright, which was and DeLon better, Wright, which is fine, which and is it's better. it's fine if they want to develop Tyrese as an off the ball player. But um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I see. I don't know. I I think that's that. I don't want to get caught in a sticky situation here, where in ten years people are making fun of me because I was like, Tyrese is not going to be that great. But I I don't know. I have questions about what his overall ceiling is. I love him as a player. Obviously, I think he's super super solid. I just don't know what his ceiling is. There's an asterisk asterisk to this question I'm about to ask that I'll explain. Would you trade Marvin Bagley into a team that will just absorb his contract to where you're not taking mm-hmm. any money back for a second rounder? No. And the asterisk is you use that money that you just freed up to have a chance to re-sign Rashawn Holmes. No. I'm still intrigued by Marvin Bagley's future. I've, I feel like I switch on a week-to-week basis, but like I've really sold myself on like Marvin Marvin is a very, very talented player, and I do think eventually he will be able to play basketball games and he will show his talent. And I, I don't know. I guess in your situation, they're removing, they're not playing together, but I think if Rashawn and Marvin are going to play together in the future, it's not going to work out great for Marvin. See, I don't want the Kings to get rid of Bagley for rags either, but if, it, if it's the difference in Rashawn Holmes walking and Rashawn Holmes staying here in Sacramento when I don't see any better replacement, period out there right now maybe eventually but right now I mean the Kings have to find a way to bring Rashawn Holmes back or find a appropriate replacement for him because and James pointed this out when I chatted with him Rashawn Holmes is probably the second best free agency signing in Sacramento Kings history like behind Vlade that's how good he's been and that's how bad the free agency market has been for the Kings and the Kings have if Rashawn walks the king, or they just can't match him or sign him or whatever, the Kings have no money to find his replacement unless that replacement is Marvin Bagley, which you want to commit a starting role again to a guy that, one, you can't rely on for injuries, and two, doesn't want to be here? I wouldn't want to. Yeah, it's tough. I I just, I kind of, I share your sentiment, Chris. I, I he's, a, he's young, he's controllable when he is playing. He is good when he's playing. When he's playing basketball, when he's on the floor playing <laughs> basketball, he's not playing a, games. He, he and you, I think you agree, man. He's a good player. He's not. He's not Luka Doncic. He's not Trey Young, but he is a good. Well, we'll call him a good offensive player. Right? Yeah, offense. we'll call him a good offensive. But fourteen and seven on fifty percent shooting. That's not a, a second overall pick. That's late first round at best. Sure, but giving him up for a second rounder, I just feel like the Kings. Well, I will. Maybe not the Kings. But I'll regret it because he will go somewhere and he is going to be a good player. I just know it. Like, I just mm-hmm. know it in my heart. I really do. Yep. I think we all know he's going to go somewhere else. And at some point, it might be this offseason and it might be in five years when the Kings, if the Kings sign him and he, he believes out on his own after that. But uh, he's young and he's controllable. And bringing Rashawn Holmes back is a very important aspect of the offseason in, in my mind. I really think it's something the Kings should put at the top of their list. Uh, I've just always envisioned it as having to give up one of Buddy or Harrison to make that happen because I feel like they can't give up Marvin Bagley unless it's for some sort of value. And his value is low right now. Mm-hmm. But you give up for a second-round pick and he goes to Charlotte or, I don't know, the Knicks or whoever and average, averages 19-10 and 10 next year, 
I mean, it, we we keep Rashawn Holmes, which is great, mm-hmm. but then we're paying Rashawn Holmes seventeen million, sixteen yeah, million. That's where I uh, fall. And then Marvin Bagley is going to become a star, and I don't know. That's just again big ifs, hypotheticals. There's been a lot of hypotheticals right now. There's no concrete things going on in, in the offseason, so of course is what everyone's probably thinking. But it's just in my mind tough to give up on Marvin until we get some sort of value back, yeah. from him. and that might take until next trade deadline, which means we lose Rashawn, which means the Kings are worse. It's just. It's going to be a very kind of Sophie's Choice move for Monty this offseason because it, mm-hmm. it's tough. It's tough. It is tough. My thing is, if you're trying to move on, for, well, first off, if you move on from Harrison Barnes, you're moving on from a player whose production is going to be extremely difficult to find and to fill, not because Harrison Barnes is some amazing player, but because historically he plays a position that the Kings have had terrible luck trying to fill. And on top of that, we all know how important Harrison Barnes is to this team. So if you move on from HB, you're you're making a massive risk there, even if it's easier to move him and his contract. Buddy Heald's contract, I think, is one of the most difficult things to move in the NBA. Like, just period. And teams know that Buddy Heald is ridiculously overpaid. Buddy Heald has been exposed in the last two years. I don't think he's been used absolutely correctly at all. But the coach that did use him correctly, Buddy Heald, played a part in getting him out of here. So I think that that says a lot as well. I don't think there's going to be a team that's dumb enough to take Buddy and his $22 million, then 20 next the year after, and then 18 the year after, and just to take that and give you anything of value in return unless that number nine or a future first is attached to it. Which mm-hmm. is why I'd say yeah. there's a good chance that number nine is moved because the mm-hmm. Kings are hoping to get off of Buddy. But getting someone to take that Buddy Hield contract is going to be next to impossible just straight up. We were talking about the swing for the fence move, and you forget the swing for the fence move with the first. It might take the it might take giving up three future firsts just to get rid of Buddy Hield. So that's a good point because it is it's just it's plus too you want to get some value for an elite shooter because an elite NBA shooter is yeah. valuable. But not twenty two million dollars. Really? I don't, I don't know 18. if it's that crazy though. There are crazy, crazy like if you look at uh, Davis Bertans, that guy just got paid a ridiculous amount of money. I think Joe yeah. Harris has the same exact contract as Buddy Heald, if not more, if not like a little bit more. And Joe Harris just stunk it up in the playoffs for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, forgot to shoot. I, I think Buddy has some value. I don't know. I do agree with you that if they really want to get something, they're going to have to attach something of value, but I'm not sure it's such like a, it's not the John Wall contract. It's not, you know, he's not, Kemba Walker, I think, is getting $30 million next year. And I'm not saying the contract itself is out of this world and we've never seen it before, because I remember celebrating the contract when the Kings initially got Buddy Heald to sign it two seasons ago, which feels like forever ago. But at the same, or was it three seasons ago now? It Who was knows? two. It was two seasons. They all ago. blend together. Yeah. But my thing is, it's, it's not the contract that's absurd. It's the idea of getting a team who's willing to take it for anything of value in return. Like, I don't think that's crazy. I think teams need shooting. Like I, I really do think Philadelphia would take Buddy Heald under the right contract. I don't think you know they would take Ben Simmons or something like you know. I don't well, think it, he would be involved in that. But I think teams really, really value shooting and are willing, especially. And I mean, we make fun of it here because we watch it. But Buddy Heald is the greatest shooter. I put big air quotes here in Sacramento Kings history by the number. Like the dude has the biggest three point numbers. Did season. he catch Peja? He, I think he, he didn't. Like he didn't. Four no, short. Yeah, he he hasn't. He didn't break his record, but he has. In terms of season threes, he has destroyed yeah. all of them. I mean, what we he's see, seventh all we time. We see the stats of he's up there. With he's Stan got Club, the most yeah. threes in the first three seasons, except yeah. for Dame and Steph. Like 
we laugh because we see how it happens, but these are real, like, that is something that you can put on Buddy Heald's resume. Like, it's there. He has 653s in his first three, or whatever it is. Like, that is something that you can realistically sell to a team, the Miami Heat or whatever, and say, look at this. Like, this is a bona fide shooter. You cannot say this guy is not an elite shooter because of these stats. So, I don't know. I, I, I Saying this, if I'm a GM, I'm looking at that and still being like, I'm not paying this guy $8 million or whatever. 22, $22 million dollars when I can pay Duncan Robinson 8 That's the problem. Buddy Heald, yeah. the player, has NBA value, but his contract undermines that value, I think. Yeah. And then how Buddy has unfortunately been exposed as kind of one-dimensional has also undermined that value to an extent. Because in the right system, yeah. we've seen Buddy Heald can be effective. He was damn good. The reason mm-hmm. why he got paid was playing that fast-paced catch-and-shoot offense along with uh, with De'Aaron Fox that Dave Yeager ran. And I think he could be a great fit in Philadelphia. Yeah. He checks a lot of the boxes of what the Philadelphia 76ers and other teams need. Yeah. The problem is... Even the Bucks. Uh, yeah, even the Bucks. The problem is, do they want to absorb that contract, number mm-hmm. one? And number two, are they going to give you anything in return of value so that they can absorb that contract? That's where it gets would iffy. You, would you, I mean, you would... Just, uh, would yeah. you do a, a trade, Buddy, for KCP and Kuzma? No. That's the only deal I've been seeing. I've been seeing thrown around that people like. It seems like it could be realistic, buddy, for KCP well, and Kuzma. Like, no, Kuzma just got paid, man. Kuzma got. I paid, think he's. Like, st- I think he's still making. I think he both, just got an extension. I think the the reason that deal works out, I'll I'll check. The yeah. reason that that has been thrown around the Twitter sphere is because they make. I think combined KCP and Kuzma make the same amount of money. But let me confirm. So, well, That's I, interesting. Then I don't want. I don't want. I need. If I'm moving Buddy Heald and getting yeah. something back, it needs to be for less money because I need Kyle. that money on the books to be able mm-hmm. to do a move for Rashawn or someone. Kyle Kuzma makes thirteen million dollars the next three years. Uh, thirteen million per season the next three years, and then I think KCP's on a he's on pretty an cheap deal. I think. I think it's pretty cheap. Um, but what yeah, do th- what do you think are um, the chances that the that Monty McNair maybe works out a sign and trade for Rashawn if he does end up going to like a Charlotte or something? I think it's potential, or it, it's there's potential for it. But if if the plan was to do that with Rashawn or not being able, to, then they they McNair really screwed up by not moving him at the deadline. Like if if the Kings yeah. lose out, like especially after losing, I think out we on might Bogdan be saying Bogdanovich. that sentence a lot this offseason. I mean, I, if if things go poorly this offseason, I think we're going to point to the last deadline and say like like what you should have done. What the hell was that? Yeah, you not not getting anything of value yeah. for Harrison Barnes to some extent, yeah. not getting anything of value for Rashawn Holmes when he was having a career year, and then he walks, especially the year after you let Bogdan Bogdanovich walk. And I know there. are... There are arguments for and against that and that decision, and I understand those arguments, but the reality is the Sacramento Kings, who are a small market team that really only acquires talent through draft or through trade, let one of their top three players walk, and then he became a starter on an Eastern Conference Finals team, and you got nothing for it. Like, you can't do that in Sacramento. You may be able to get away with that in Houston. You can't do that here. So if that happens again with Rashawn Holmes, who not only is your starting center, but is arguably one of the most versatile centers in the league, I'm not trying to overhype him too much because I, I think he has his limits. His limits are very clear. But I also think that anyone who says, wow, if Rashawn Holmes is your starting center in Sacramento, you're probably not a very good team. I disagree with that completely because I think if Rashawn went to a different team, let's say a playoff team, I think it would be only a matter of time before Rashawn makes a bid for that starting spot unless he's backing up like Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic. Like, 
I think Joel, I mean, I think uh, Rashawn Holmes can be an NBA starter on a playoff team. I think he's good enough. Yeah, I mean, I think I Charlotte's the one that wants him the most, and he would be a great asset to that Charlotte you team. You can't I mean, he'd lose be, him he'd be, for nothing. You exactly. just can't. And he, yeah. he will, I don't think it's really a question if he leaves, he'll become a, he'll, I think he will thrive wherever he goes, because I think what we saw, which is 13 and 8 and 65% shooting, that's just who he is. He doesn't demand the ball in the post, and he doesn't. It's not like the Kings are feeding Boogie down low. They're not yeah. giving it to him, clearing out. He's getting clean up around the basket shots. He's getting those little uh, in-transition push shots. They're, it's smart basketball. He, he's a smart player. Uh, he's a good defender. I agree. We, we You can't let him leave for nothing. So I would say a signing trade would be great. Can it happen? Who knows? Uh, but making him the number one priority is important. But then again, it comes back to the Bagley yeah. discussion about freeing up money. So it's, it's, Yeah, and to, well, and to me, it just all comes back to money. I just think Rashawn is a great option to have as your starting center for the right price because, I mean, we, we see Rashawn's great, but you can definitely – you can aim for higher for a better player than Rashawn if you really you know oh, if you agree. really want to. You can absolutely do worse, but you can definitely still aspire to have a better player there. So if you're gonna be paying him fourteen, fifteen million dollars, it kind of becomes all right, well he's earning every dollar he gets, which is fine. It's you know, again, I don't mean to pocket it's really I'm really pocket checking this guy, but like it's I don't know. It it becomes Value is really the name of the game in basketball, and if you're not, if you're not like, if you're, if you're getting paid exactly what you probably should be paid, then that's that's not great for the team, and for the team, that's great for the player, obviously, good for Rashawn, get your money, but as the organization I'm rooting for, I want the organization I'm rooting for to, I mean, essentially be be getting good deals, and I I think if you're paying Rashawn fifteen million dollars a year or whatever, not, it's not I don't know what the exact number will be, but um, I think the starting point he said he said is twenty, is, yeah, which that would be too much. That I can t- doesn't matter That's any just circumstances negotiating one on one exactly I guess, for but. sure, but I just think his price is going to pay. It's going to be a big factor in how we view his play moving forward. If Monty has back-to-back off-seasons where he allows top talent on the team, even if the team wasn't that good, to walk for nothing, that's where you start looking at, is this guy capable of being a good general manager? And that's really hard to say for someone who's just in their second year of their first ever gig, but this is where, like we talked about a little bit earlier, McNair has inherited the impatience of the fan base and the history of this organization whether he likes it or not he should have known when he took this job that that's what he was inheriting and that's what he had to battle against like he the the kings can't afford to play a long-term waiting game and i think the worst part of the entire hypothetical here is that the king if the kings can't or don't move on from buddy healed and rashawn and Mm -hmm. or uh marvin bagley and they let rashawn holmes walk they have no money to replace him so it's not like oh he's Getting fifteen million that way, we only have thirteen to offer, so we're going to hold on to our thirteen and use that thirteen to get somebody else. No, you have no cap space still. He's gone. Now you have to use the three million dollars or whatever the hell you have to find his replacement, which is what a backup center, and then you're hoping Marvin Bagley can play forty five games. Like that sounds horrible. Or you make other for moves. a team who's trying to make the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, I think you or you can make other moves if you can do that and sure. have other moves in sure, mind. Sure, sure. I just again I. I think that you have to not just think about next season as well. I mean that that's going to play that plays into our our talk about leveraging the future as well. You can't make moves just with the mindset of 
we really need to, especially here's especially if your goal is make the playoffs. It's really not that hard to make the playoffs. Now that we now, have made it a lot harder than it seems. In. Half the teams make the playoffs. Exactly. Like it wasn't hard even before. Like we just made it a lot harder well, than it needed to be. Well, now ten teams qualify for the <laughs> yeah. play-in. Only yeah. five teams aren't going to be able to be playing quote-unquote yeah. postseason yes. basketball. So there shouldn't be any reason to risk it all just to make the playoffs. I think if the Kings are going to be making moves, they need to be making moves with the mindset of legitimately built, and I'm, I'm, I know they are, but of building a contender, not just trying to win next season. I think we can all agree the best-case scenario for the Kings this offseason is just moving on from Buddy Hield. It's just if you can yeah. get Buddy out of here – for something halfway decent in value, but more importantly, you're not taking back the same amount of money that he's making. That frees up all the money in the world that you need to hopefully be involved in the Rashawn Holmes sweepstakes. It allows you to either keep stay patient for the right Marvin Bagley trade or run it back one more time and see what you can get and maybe increase his value before the deadline. Like To me, Buddy Heald is the golden goose of this, this offseason. Yeah, they somehow can it's move that contract. Find a way to move him. That you gotta find mm-hmm. a way. You free up that money. Then you've also the middle level exception, which the Kings didn't use last offseason. They they can bring in some impact players. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh it's just a big ask. I know it's a big ask, but there like Chris said, there might be someone out there that goes, mm-hmm. Yeah, we could use we could use a buddy heel. We could mm-hmm. use a guy that can score twenty a game and hit forty percent of his threes. Um so yeah, that's just kind of the key the key point. It might, yeah, things man. might not move until one of those things happens. Either yeah. Bagley's moved or Buddy's moved because, again, the team just doesn't have money. It comes back to money. They just don't have any right now. Monty McNair wanted flexibility, and he's he's definitely got it because he can, he's got a lot of different things that he can do. He's got a lot of different avenues he can take. It's just a matter of he's <laughs> he's eventually got to pick a, something to do. He's got he's got to go the buddy trade Buddy route. He's got to go the trade Marvin route. He's got to do whatever he can to sign Rashawn. He's just got to pick something. And at the moment, he's still There's plenty of doors. He's waiting in the water. I wouldn't say Monty McNair has flexibility. I would well, say he has options. There we go. He has options. The flexibility <laughs> is true. not there. Yeah, and that's, that's what made some WD 40 on it. And yeah. that's <laughs> what made some of the trade deadline moves. So confusing is I love the DeLon Wright pickup. The Mo Harkless pickup was great. I don't think you're going to be able to keep him around. I think there's going to be teams that value Mo Harkless that'll probably scoop him up. Even though I'd love to see him back, Terrence Davis was fine, but he's on a team option or something. He's like on that. team option. Yeah, Regardless, he, he looks like a re- yeah, restricted free agent, yeah, one, something one and a like half that. Million or something. Regardless, you 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 took on money at the trade deadline. Like in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things, they moved on from Corey Joseph, which many of us thought was a good thing, and Nemanja Bjelica. Mm-hmm opportunity to free up massive money there but because the plan seemingly changed to now we're going for it you took on money coming back and and now that money is haunting you so that's where the criticisms of monty mcnair really start to come in if this offseason is affected by the money that he took in at the trade deadline that ultimately failed again i don't know if that was my gut is that was an ownership decision to Mm. try and go for it again and not a mcnair decision but I, i am only speculating there if that's the case, then we're already looking at Monty McNair as having two major strikes, letting Bogey walk and making a decision that went against the flexibility that you were looking for that hurt you literally the next summer. Like that, that is a very bad start for a first time general manager. Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's just, it's a matter. That's, that's how it is right now, though. That's the thing. And it's just a matter of once he makes the moves and then we can really look at it from, 
you know, from a thousand feet above, then we can reevaluate and see if his moves were actually good. But yeah, at the moment, I mean, there's excuses for the for the bogey thing. You can, I I personally would say that you know he tra- he had the sign and trade and. You know, there is definitely some some hinky things that went on with with the with how all that went down. And yep. so is it 100 percent his fault? He didn't get it done. No. But, you know, it's also it happened. You can't you can't just say, oh, it's not his fault. And so he doesn't get any blame for it. It is still it still happened. See, and that's where I'm so torn, because I agree with you 100 yeah. percent where someone we believe it was an agent blabbed and screwed over that entire deal. Like or the Don- Hawks. Dante <laughs> D- or yeah, or the Hawks. Who cares? Dante DiVincenzo could have been a king, which is so crazy. It haunts to think me every about. time. It I haunts me every time. Just, and PJ Wilson, too. But, honestly, DJ so Wilson's nice. On piece. one half, it's like Monty had a deal in place and it fell apart. So he tried. On the other hand, though, if if Bogey were a like Rashawn is an unrestricted free agent where mm-hmm. you just he can walk and there's nothing you can do about it. At that point, it's like, well, my hands are tied. Mm-hmm. But the Kings are in a they're the one position of power that they're in where they have contractual control because of he, Bogey is a restricted free agent. They willingly gave that up to let him walk. And I get why they made the decision. Like, I understand the argument, but that restricted free agency is in place to help teams like Sacramento retain talent, and you willingly gave that up. Like, that is where it really, really stings. In the grand scheme of things, short term, like, it sucks to see Bogey in the Eastern Conference Finals. In the end, it's right now, it's not the end of the world. Like, I'm, I'm okay that Bogey is no longer here. But if that is followed by the loss of Rashawn Holmes, that happens twice in a row. At that point, I'm like, okay, red flag, warning, warning, warning. Like, Monty, these are bad decisions that you're making. I would argue that he – again, we talked about it earlier. Like, those are the, that's the situation that he was brought into. Like, again, yeah, we, we can mm-hmm. relitigate the bogey decision in the first place. But, like, he made that decision and – probably did it because he was like if I have both of them then buddy's trade value is probably nothing at that point because they know we can't keep them both under these huge contracts and that'd be tough and um I don't know yeah we don't we don't need to relitigate the whole thing yeah. but I, I, I mean think, we, we all know it was a mistake yeah. to let bogey leave for nothing I think everyone can be in agreement on that all Kings fans it's just letting d- him leave for nothing I I disagree. I ah. I really disagree because you have to like there is nuance in this. It's not just he left and there's nothing like he got paid a lot of money mm-hmm. that we should not pay him. He does not make us any like he whatever. Maybe we're ten seed this year. Whatever. That's great for us. But he's paying him that money does not make us then a good enough team to justify paying him. $17 million a year. So I understand where you're coming from completely. You're right. We're talking about hypotheticals of, and, and you could talk, well, Bogey would have added seven more wins. Yeah, we'll exactly. never, we'll exactly. never know that. Yeah. And you're right. He would have been paid a lot of money, and basically you're committing a crap ton of money to Vlade's roster yes. and not your own. And we're also so, then locked in. Yeah, 100%. We are, we are locked into our roster. More, so, my, more so than now. Yes, yeah. That's more my so thing is now. you're still pretty much locked in now, and on top, like to me, there's still time for him to make that move yeah. okay. Yeah, exactly. There, so yeah. it's not like an end of the world of thing this, right even now. The Rashawn thing. But if a year or two from now you haven't replaced that value in Definitely. some way, shape, or form, then it's mm-hmm. looked at like, what the hell are you doing? Like in the short term, it sucks. He's in the Eastern Conference Finals, but there's still time to make up for that decision, which yeah. is what he does this offseason. Until right? we see Rashawn Holmes 
starting for Charlotte yeah. in the Eastern exactly. Conference Finals against, against Bogey and the Hawks. <laughs> yeah, right. And so that that's the thing. So Chris's point is 100% yeah. spot on. Like it, it's, it's a great argument, and I understand it. The thing is, if you're going to let a player of Bogey's caliber walk in Sacramento, at some point— What is Bogey's you, caliber, though? Like, what what are we talking Bogey about? Like, we're top, not talking about, like, a borderline all-star. Like, we're talking about a good role player. Which the Kings are in desperate need. That's fine, yeah. but not for his money. Like I, it's I, a, but, that's they, but that's what they cost usually. I mean, but, what other role but players it, are cheap? It doesn't but, have to. But what role players are going to be cheap? Like realistically, the Kings can get. Like who's out there? Like for the mid level, we just that we traded. Can get, we like, just traded for. Well, if Corey Joseph was good, we ended up getting a decent piece for him. Delo- uh, uh, what's his name? Terrence Davis was all right. You can find these marginal guys. You just have to have the talent evaluation to do it. And that's the thing is we don't have talent on our roster, and that's what the problem is, is we don't have a talented roster. And so when we get semi-talented guys, we're like, oh, my God, this guy's like this guy could play on any basketball team, not just ours, and we're shocked. But, like, the thing is, we should that should not be the standard. I, and, and, again, I think we're going in circles here, but it's it's not – I don't think it's like, oh my God, you lost Bogey. Like, oh my God, you lost LeBron James. It's I'm not, oh, yeah. It's, I don't oh think you guys God. are saying that, no but thinks, no. it's, mm, oh my, mm. if the other way thing, some people are talking, people are talking like this that, is like, no. people are talking like the Kings just lost like De'Aaron, like a franchise type player. Yeah. And like Bogey is solely the reason why Atlanta is in the final. And while that's the not Eastern the case, finals. what is the case? The real frustration is not that you lost Bogey. The real frustration is the, the as from a king for from the Sacramento Kings perspective, you've gotten nothing. I to this it. point, you've gotten nothing. Salary, yeah, salary. I know what you're saying, but salary relief or whatever future it is not enough for me. The fact that we lost him, and again, he's not an all star, yeah. but he's 16 and four on 47 percent shooting, 43 from three, and then 90 from. That, that's 50, 40, 90 almost. Like I, I we yeah. lost like I yeah. for squat. Like and I would have rather had him than Buddy. But like the yes. problem is, if you want to be mad at something, be mad at Buddy Heald being signed because Vladdy. that's the exact reason why we don't have. We Bogey. should be mad at. Bu- it's trace it back. It's just it's honestly just lazy. We it's should be like, mad at Vladdy being bullied yes. by Buddy. Vladdy got bullied by like, Buddy into paying. Y'all him. signed the wrong dude. Like that's it's plain it's cut and dry like you guys paid buddy instead of paying bogey and that's that was what the mistake was we all could have told you bogey's a more versatile you know what buddy can for sure shoot the ball better than bogey i think bogey is a little bit overrated as a shooter he's above average yeah, for sure season, but, he, but he's not usually, yeah, he, he's typically not 43% yeah he's probably like a 38% three point shooter i think buddy i think buddy's probably legitimately like a 40 and above three point shooter but Bogey can dribble the ball. We've seen him play make for. He's a legitimate secondary ball handler. We all knew this, and yet they still paid Buddy Heald the money that they should have paid from a, Bogey from a skill set. Also, like it we just know, didn't we, make sense. Tyrese Halliburton and Bogey are pretty close in their yeah. skill set as far as playmaking. Well, and that's and, interesting and too. Shooting. Maybe yeah, I, they had some sort of no, foresight. I, in I that. think that's absolute. Like that's, the, that's the argument. Like a, the argument yeah. that. Bogey would have taken opportunity away from Tyrese Halliburton. I think is such a lazy argument to make. It's like the yeah, same thing. Of, oh no, I'm not saying that. No, no I know you're yeah. not. But I've, that argument, no, that, <laughs> argu- that argument's been put out there, and I and I, I absolutely I, hate it because it's the same argument of Luka Doncic will take the ball out of De'Aaron Fox's hands. What a stupid. Yeah, which argument. I hear that all the time. Oh, like, like Tyrese man. Halliburton would have been just fine with Bogey here. They would have made it work. There's Bogey, only one ball, Matt. I know, but I mean, look how important secondary and, and third ball handlers are. Is that are the, the original Miami Heat? Yeah, that's, that's the, the original Miami Heat. Heat thing. There's only one ball. No, but exactly, yeah. Matt. So yeah. I'm that 
you, I'm not saying also you said that, but that argument could have been played, out there. They could have played together. They yeah. could have been in the backcourt together. Just fine. <laughs> But yeah, uh, you're right. Like Chris, concept. the the Kings desperately regret if the Kings could go back and let's say they money wasn't an option and, and Buddy Hield and, and Bogdan Bogdanovich yeah. are standing in a room and they have to pick one to go with and pick one to walk. It's it's bogey like ninety percent of the time. And I think we're we just all, living in that ten percent. I guess I think we <laughs> all felt that coming into this season. Where and I remember saying on my podcast, it was like if it comes down to a decision between these two guys, I'm picking Bogey. And I remember getting flamed for that. Yeah. It's like, how can you let an elite shooter go for Bogey, who's so streaky and doesn't? He's like the master master of none. I'm like, oh, okay, but I think Bogey's the smarter ball handler or smarter overall basketball yeah. player. And we're seeing. I mean, he's was he the reason the Hawks made the fi- or the Eastern Conference Finals? Hell no. Is he the best player on the Hawks? Hell no. no. But he was a starter on an Eastern he, Conference Finals team. Definitely, he's a basketball player. Yep. And Buddy, granted, he did have a better season with his assist numbers went up and he rebounds. I know, but Bogey is a better and Tyrese in that regard are mm-hmm. better basketball players. And the Kings need more of those basketball players. You know, the shooting aspect is great in Buddy's game. And hey, he could go somewhere else and improve on his defense. And mm-hmm. maybe in a different system, he becomes a better basketball player. But uh, that's one of the things that hurts. Uh, Myself and probably you, Matt, and other Kings fans is that Bogey is a better basketball player. I mean, ultimately, to bring this back, we can say the best thing Monty McNair has done since taking this job is drafting Tyrese Halliburton, right? And while some people want to undermine that and say, well, he got lucky, Tyrese fell, I think it's safe to say there was far more in play than just Tyrese falling to 12 on a whim. There was something going on there. We've heard enough conversations and reports to know that there was interest, and James Hamm has reported several several times that the Kings were ready to move up to get him, and then they realized they didn't have to, which is awesome. So that's definitely the feather in his cap right now. But the big red flag right next to it is the bogey decision at this point. Mm-hmm. And the Rashawn looming decision. I yes. mean, again, like I mean that'll said, be a big thing. I think the same way people complain, complain, I shouldn't say complain, the same way people talk about bogey, people will talk about Rashawn in the same exact air. Maybe if more so. If you don't yeah. replace him, yes. Mm-hmm. If you find a replacement for him, Rashawn Holmes well, is in if, no way irreplaceable. And that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying what option is out there for Sacramento? I've floated out the option. What? How would you feel if next season's plan is to move Marvin to center? I can't. I, I can rely on Rashawn Holmes a million times more than I can rely on Marvin Bagley, and that has and that has nothing to do with the him wanting out and his family. So even taking that side of the drama away, I can't rely on Marvin Bagley. Period. So while I think Marvin could play at center and be effective at center for the Kings in their system if they played small with Harrison Barnes at the four, I think it could work. My thing is, why should I believe at any point? period, that Marvin is going to be available for more than 50 games. Well, here's the problem. 40 games. It's because his you need to – this is his extension year. Like, if at the end of this season, he's going to need a new contract, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to pay him something or let him – or, again, we're talking about the same situation. This could be three straight years if we're talking we let a guy walk for nothing because next year it's just going to be Marvin. Marvin and people are going to feel whatever way, but like me and Frankie – or like Frankie said earlier, <clears throat> we feel like Marvin's going to go to another team and probably succeed – so, which you need to eventually throw him out and say, look, are you going to succeed at what? Because I believe that if he's eventually going to be a starter and be the Marvin Bagley that he wants to be, he's going to have to be a center. Like, I don't think you can play two seven foot guys and realistically expect to have the type of spacing and floor movement that, you know, they play with now because I just think he would clunk 
clunk it too much. Here, I mean, and he can shoot a little bit, but here's how I feel about Marvin Bagley overall. It's the it's looking at it from a, a bird's eye view. I all I asked from Marvin Bagley this year was to show visible improvement, and that's what I got. Like from mm-hmm. day one to the end of the season, Bagley was a better basketball player. Defensively, he still has a long way to go. Offensively, he still has no right hand. I was thrilled by his three-point shot. Just yeah. thrilled. And I think that Marvin can space the floor, and he was shooting with confidence, even if they weren't going into the percentage he wants. Same thing with De'Aaron Fox. Like De'Aaron, a couple seasons ago, was shooting and not hitting, and now he's shooting with confidence, and he was, I mean, his three-point shot made him unguardable this season. So can Marvin continue on? So I was I was overall thrilled with the development of Marvin Bagley. The problem is, once again, twice he got hurt. And that and when you can't rely on that, when you're choosing between unreliable Marvin Bagley and reliable Rashawn Holmes, who are putting up identical numbers even if one ceiling is higher than the other— and you're a team that's trying to make the playoffs right now, I'm going for reliable every single time. I would pick Rashawn Holmes personally, but yeah, you're running the risk of Marvin walking or leaving and, and well, becoming what I'd, we expect him I to. I just think if if that's not if you're not going to fully essentially put all your Marvin chips in, then you need to move him. Because just keeping him on the roster and seeing if he's gonna be maybe fifteen and eight this year and play seventy games or whatever. I mean, then you're stuck in the situation of, uh, okay, do we believe in that season? Do we? That's that's the difference. If he plays 70, 60 games and he averages 18 or 16 and 8, that's the difference between him him being a 10 million per season kind of guy. And then what if he plays 10 games and he becomes a a league minimum guy for some team next year? It's just, I agree completely. He's in limbo. This season's so huge. And the question is, will he be figuring that out here? Because it's just. Because if he goes to like OKC or something like that, I don't know. I'm if sure Marvin, he has a lot better situation and can probably, you know, figure his contract out better there. That's the question that you just asked, asked yeah. Matt. Monty needs to have that same answer yeah. or answer that question: Is do you want to be pick the reliable guy or do you want to pick the guy with the higher ceiling? It's just that is literally the conundrum the Kings are in right yeah. now. So it's just if, be interesting to watch it unfold. If the timeline is what I believe the timeline to be, which is this team is trying to make the playoffs next season. And that is what's most important. And, and getting a team surrounded around De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton on their timeline, I think it's clear that you have to move Marvin. And if you can't move Marvin or the right deal's not out there, then you hold on to him with the hopes that you bring him off the bench, let him get his buckets, he raises his value, and you move him at the trade deadline. But you don't want to, to your point, yeah. you do not want to go into next offseason knowing you want to move Marvin but then get into a bidding war and do we match this contract again? Like, yeah. you don't want to wait that long. We don't need lightning to strike three times. You know, and, and I'm getting just... stressed just thinking about that. <laughs> I really don't need to live in that life. Because if we are going into next season with that, essentially, where we're trying to figure out is Marvin going to be moved at the deadline and then potentially isn't moved at the deadline and then we're like okay are we going to re-sign him and like, I, I just, I, yeah, I'm, that, I'm getting That'd be so I, tough if the, Kings, if the Kings do keep him and he's at the All-Star break, he's averaging 19 and 10 or something. Then it's like, okay, now what the hell do we do? If this Kings offseason ends with Buddy Heald still here, Marvin sick. Bagley still here, Rashawn Holmes gone, gone, and whoever they pick at nine, the Kings are a worse basketball team. And I have oh, yeah. no problem saying no, that. No, I totally— I have I, no problem saying that. I don't think anyone yeah. can disagree with yeah. that. I mean, If the Kings want to improve, they have to move on from one of the two. Like, that's that's just the reality of the situation. If the Kings want to improve this offseason, they have to move on from one of the two— Maybe Harrison Barnes, but I think that is a big, big risk of trying to replace him, and I don't think yeah, that's going to be possible. The, the team doesn't work. Mm-hmm. We The team was ran back for the most part. Yeah. The same exact team this year was the same exact team from last year, minus Bogey being switched out for Tyrese. It's just 
we can't do the same thing again. If if we lose Rashawn but bring back Buddy and Marvin and then bring back a nine pick, I mean, this isn't the number one, number two pick we're not talking about here. I mean, who knows? Maybe the nine pick. Maybe Moses Moody will be the rookie of the year. Who knows? Bronze. But still, that's not what the Kings are missing. Right? They need more. And yeah, I agree. Uh, one of Buddy or Marvin needs to be moved. I don't know what that brings back or what it does, but they need to switch up the roster. But the last 45 minutes of what we've been talking about, guys, is exactly why... I feel that McNair is under significantly more pressure than a general manager probably should in their first mm-hmm. full offseason. Like, we forget McNair came in mid-last offseason, so this is his first full offseason where he has all the time he needs to make moves. Like, or at least all the time you normally would have to make moves. It's not rushed into a, a two-week window. Like but last this year. is not a normal circumstance of, okay, hey, new general manager, you get three years to build your plan and then another year or two to exit, which is what Vlade got. Vlade was like, okay... Started putting his plan together, traded DeMarcus Cousins, and what did he say? If in three years we're not better, I'll step down. I'll step down. McNair doesn't have if in three years no. we get – McNair is if this year we are not better, the organization is probably – I mean, they have to decide whether or not they want to commit to a, a first-time general manager who has already made some mistakes or hasn't improved the team. Do you want to let him hire the next head coach – and risk going through the same cycle again of moving on from a general manager, having another head coach on the payroll for three years, and then you're doing the same crap again, let alone King's ownership getting over-involved? Like, we're, we're talking about a Stressing vicious cycle out. here. Yeah, Stressing No, he's right, though. The King, the King is playing next year again. Oh, it, heads are going to roll. I mean, I, heads are going to – it's going to be very ugly. Like, And it already is getting ugly. I mean, I, I know that uh, – I don't know what the King season ticket plan is going to look next year. I don't know how many fans are going to be coming back for that. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the franchise is going to start bleeding if things don't change, yeah. more so than they already are. So, no, Not to mention a historic 16 straight seasons without making the NBA for That'd be number one. if they're t- We're tied with the Los Angeles Clippers slash Buff- Buffalo Clippers. As and- many years as teams make the playoffs. 16. Mm. Rough. I'm going to be yeah. actually sick. Anyways, speaking of playoffs, to end this off, Matt, who do you got, Bucks or Suns? I got Suns. Um, and I, I, I'm, this is the first NBA Finals in a long time where I don't care who wins because I'm going to be happy mm-hmm. either way. I think this NBA Finals is awesome. And anybody who says, my, my major market or LeBron's not in the finals, <laughs> screw you. Like the, the ratings are already there. We've already seen that the, these NBA playoffs have been just fine without those mega market teams in. I think this is great for basketball. I love that two smaller markets are in there. I think the Milwaukee Bucks absolutely deserve it. I hope Giannis gets healthy so we get the series we deserve. I think Chris Paul absolutely deserves it, and the Phoenix Suns are the perfect example of why you can have hope from the Kings' perspective. Like You can turn things around correctly if you do it correct. I mean, you can do turn things around quickly if you do it correctly. Mm-hmm. The Suns are a perfect example of that. So, both both of these teams give me hope, and I'm, I'm thrilled for these finals, but I'll take the Suns in six if Giannis only plays a handful of games. If Giannis plays... All except game one. I think this goes seven. There was breaking news during the podcast that uh, Giannis was upgraded from doubtful, doubtful. to questionable. Whoa! And, like, in the last ten minutes. <laughs> if Giannis can go, you don't want him to risk his future career. But if Giannis can go, there's no way he's saying or he's staying out of the NBA Finals. Like This is a reality. If well, this is like the second round of the playoffs, maybe he's like, okay, I'm holding <laughs> off. But this is the NBA Finals here. Giannis is playing if he, he can. Pushed, he pushed to play in game five last week, and then they said no. And then when they... I think when they won Game Five, they just figured they'd wait and see if had to go seven. But uh, he should not play. You think he shouldn't be, play no. right now? No. He he. That that looked like a real knee injury. Like his knee full like 
went back. It was, it was scary. It was like Ty, remember Tyrese's yeah, knee that was scary. Too. It was like that, but if it actually like went like Tyrese is just kind of stiffened. Giannis is kind of. Cock yeah. bowed back Maybe a little bit. Maybe he's just flexible. Maybe he's flexible. I mean, sometimes injuries Maybe. do look scary. Like, ankle turns are ones that always look horrifying Kevin and shook me, fine. Man. That's all I got to say. KD's injury shook me. After after oh, he yeah. came back too early and, like, literally, like, that, you like, see it pop. within 20 minutes of playing, like... I think everyone knew it was coming, like, too. It, yeah, it, it, I just want to avoid that. But I don't know how you two feel. I'm 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 thrilled with this NBA Finals Oh, I'm match. thrilled. I could not be happy. I agree, though. I think Suns and Six. Uh, I think even if Giannis does play, it's going to be kind of... I don't think he'll... When, when players come back from those injuries, they're kind of afraid to put their foot on the gas fully, mm-hmm. and it's just I could see him not going full throttle. You know what's but. crazy, though, is the Hawks and Clippers both made their conference finals and lost... And they are, I don't know the order, but they are number two and number three in longest NBA Finals All these droughts. franchises are. I know, it's, but it's like... a list of all of the Hawks, and the Kings. The Hawks the Kings and the Clippers are, the top, are two and three. The Kings are number one. Yeah. Hawks and Clippers are two and three, and they both were in the conference finals and missed out. And I don't know mm-hmm. how likely either... Well, Clippers maybe if they can keep the team together. I don't know how likely they are to get to that spot again. No, I mean, I'm sure the Lakers are going to do some Lakers stuff this offseason. Lebron, LeBron's going to have his one last push, but... Uh, Chris, sorry, Suns or Bucks? I, I really don't know. I, I am excited for the series. I The Suns make me hopeful that, you know, any Kings fan should be like, yeah, see, we're just one nice piece away. We're, one, we're just Chris Paul away. Yeah, we're, we're, we're one right there. Hall of Famer away. That is it. Could have had Monty Williams, And the Bucks too. honestly remind me a lot of the same struggles that the early 2000s Kings went through, uh, where, you know, it just seems like they're always banging their heads up against the, you know, up against the wall. Always going against you know the toughest teams and just never making it through. And to see them eventually get through, it is nice to see. Um, but I, I don't know. I, watching them play this off season has been disgusting, and it's really uh, it's really not fun to watch them play. Um, I'm glad Maybe. they eventually made it, but I think Phoenix probably takes it. And, and it feels like five, honestly. Phoenix has really been rolling, and uh, narrative wise, it feels like Chris Paul. It's it's Chris Paul's time, and it's the year of the old guy. I don't know if you guys heard. Old guys, old guys are winning. I don't know. Maybe, Brady won. Maybe that's all. A hot, that's all I was maybe a hot take here, but I think the 2000s Kings would wipe the floor with this Bucks team. It's just absolutely oh wipe. for I sure. So I mean, this Bucks team, they're, they just don't play well. I mean, they're they're very disjointed, very one on one, and and you know, honestly, if Chris Middleton wasn't playing so well, then they would they would be out easy. Well, we're going. Uh, we're all going Suns. Yeah, I'm going Suns. All right. Matt. So many freaking, not Suns that the division matters, but the Pacific Division's just all these <laughs> juggernauts and then Sacramento. Hello, we're here. Yeah, very, we, I'm, yeah I'm very ups- tough. I'm very upset. Maybe it's, we do need to keep those division banners up. It does mean something, you know. Our, our 1951 people, people championship us. banner, too. Yeah. God, that, that can that can Rings. Literally says Rochester Royals on it. Yeah. Like, neither of those two things are But we have are the gold patch, still, though. We are not Rochester. We are Sacramento, and we are no longer the Royals. We're... Is it sad the two coolest banners that are up in the Golden One Center rafters are the Monarchs Championship, which isn't sad at all. They're amazing. And then Paul McCartney being the first ever event there. We have a Paul McCartney (laughs) banner. We have a Paul McCartney banner that's bigger than anything else. It's the biggest one. I'm just so confused. Here's Paul McCartney, by the way. Paul McCartney played a song here once. They have a banner for the old arena. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it, I like it's fine, sense. but don't hang it up with the other banners. Yeah, like, like, hang it up on a wall or something. What did we accomplish in that building anyway? A lot of heartbreak. That's it. I had my heart ripped out of my chest more than uh, yeah, yeah, I. Yeah, that's know. my second home. Yeah. I know I, it'll be sad. Will you guys be there when they when they 
Tear it down? When they bulldoze it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll be there. We I'll should... press the button. You'll press the button? <laughs> Chris and I did a uh, music video in yeah, front we of did. it, and we were afraid of a robotic car that just kept driving past yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah. There was nobody driving it, but it kept going past us. We're like, is it going to stop and shoot us or yell yeah. at us? But nope, it just kept going past. Kept like going some dri- security bot yeah. you are. <laughs> hey, man. They're doing it's like a little Tesla bot. They're doing some high secret stuff out there. They really were. I don't know what was going on, but we shot the Double Down music video. And, it, uh, second Double Down reference on this podcast. They need to the move way. that gold six out in front six, of six. the. They're, somewhere Replace they're, Piglet. They're going to. They said they have plans for it. That's what Put it the, on the roof, probably. They said, they, said they have plans for it. That golden six and the giant inflatable. Pepsi cup. Oh yeah, are two Ooh, things that are new, synonymous with Kings ba- uh, basketball. The team store shoebox. Yep. Yeah, I will, that and came I will, late. I will it always is. remember to. Yeah, the shoebox was great. I will always remember to the smell of the uh, Arco Arena concourse hit different, man. When oh, you it walked did. in that oh, concourse that before packed, a game, yeah. and then just the rumble of those probably unsafe wooden bleachers yep. that when everybody would stomp on them, man. What, it's just what, what, was it smell like? I think it smelled like was French. It was like a French fry smell. Oh, wasn't oh, it? Was, garlic like, fries. It was bro. either garlic fries garlic or fries for me it was like cinnamon churros. And it stuff. was like a mixture of those smells. But yeah, it just like is a smell. I wish they like sold a candle because like, I would just light it <laughs> in my house and just oh, it's Arco Arena smell. Okay, cool. That's that's what we need. Get Kings. That's an idea for you. Put it in team store. There are candles like that. I want a five percent cut. All right, that's it. Uh, want to fight over something else? Yeah, we can fight over one more thing. What do you got? Um, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about this? Yankees are going to come back and take the wild card Shut spot. Up. Turn it off. It's yeah. done. I, I I don't even believe that. So. All right. Well, for I uh, hope you all enjoyed the conversation. First off, um, I thought it was a really good talk. Pretty painful uh, had episode. Had some fun. Yeah, it was pretty painful. People. But if if I if I'm felt stressed. therapeutic, yeah, I felt stress. It wasn't. It was honestly a roller coaster. I felt stressed. I felt happy. I felt excited. I felt sad. Um, full range of emotions. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure. I'm sure we'll have you on again this off season to talk about uh, the Kings uh, re-signing Rashawn yep. Holmes, right? Not trading Buddy Hield. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only way. Yeah, if if the Kings trade Buddy Hield, Matt George will be on the podcast. McNair's got his work cut out for him, man. This this summer is so extremely important. And of course, we in media we do this every. Oh, it's the most important off season in a long time. We mm. do that. I I know I say that, and I hate when I say it. But in, in like for real, Monty McNair does not get the benefit of multiple off seasons to build this. No. It, this is his off season, and if it doesn't work, he might lose his job as early as next. Like off we season. said, they've mentioned the goals making playoffs next season. Let's see what they can do to make that happen. It's not really, it's not for fun anymore. We're not saying we're trying to build. They said playoffs. Let's see it. Let us let's see it. Let uh, us for Matt George. Make sure to listen to Locked On Kings every sir. single day. Uh, is it weekday or is it every single day? Every single weekday. Okay, we try and do like Monday through Friday, but we didn't have one for Fifth of July. But soon we'll go into off season mode where it'll be three a week. But hey, it's great to come up with five straight days of Kings. <laughs> content. It's got to be tough. It's, it's wonderful, gonna, man. God Trust bless me, Matt George, man. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Matt. For Frankie Cardicelli, I am Chris Watkins. Bye bye.